Welcome to Love Works with Chris and Karen Conley. We are so glad to have you joining us today. I'm sitting in studio with my husband, Chris Conley. He is also the founding and lead pastor of High Point Church. I am his sidekick for this program as also in real life. I also direct our women at High Point Church. So we are glad that you're here. And this is our second session on the topic of the Holy Spirit. As we think about the Holy Spirit and you're talking about marriage, we definitely need the Holy Spirit when we think about marriage, we think about parenting and all of these things in life. The Holy Spirit is a doctrine, but it's so much more than let's not put it in the category of a boring doctrine or an important doctrine. It is a part of real life, helping real people, love people, be married, be parents, everything we do. Absolutely. And that is such a great perspective because so often we can take theological terms or in this sense, the person of the Holy Spirit, and we kind of put it up on a bookshelf and think that it's really not relatable to our life when we desperately need the Holy Spirit to guide us in all of these relationships. And so last week, we really kind of set the stage. In doing so, we finished our time together with I guess a relatively shortened definition of who the Holy Spirit is. And we said the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us, forms Christ in us, and empowers the mission of Christ through us. That can take us a lot of different places. So, Chris, maybe for today, let's dive a little bit deeper into that. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing you notice about that definition that you gave is how Christ-centric the definition is. The Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. That definition said reveals Christ to us, forms Christ in us, and empowers the mission of Christ through us. The Holy Spirit's never pointing to himself. Mm. The Holy Spirit is always giving us the ability to see Jesus Christ as he is, so that we'll love him, so that we'll follow him. So when we think about the Holy Spirit, it's also important for us to put the Holy Spirit in the context of the Trinity. Now, that is such a big topic. I'm going to try to give you a very concise understanding, but there are volumes of books written on the Trinity. So that we have the proper context of the Holy Spirit, let me give you this understanding, this definition of the Trinity. When we look at the Trinity, God is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Second, each person is fully God. One's not greater than the other. Each person's fully God. They all carry the same essence of God. And then third, there is one God. They are not three different gods. Now, let's repeat, okay? God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God. All carry the same essence of God. And there's one God. They are not three different persons. So now let's take that and narrow our focus to see how that influences who the Holy Spirit is. So the Holy Spirit is co-equal with God. He's the same essence as God, but he's different in person. I love that as I'm sitting here thinking through this. When Jesus came and he walked on this earth, he submitted himself to God the Father. And he did that and he did only what his Father told him to do. And yet he was equal. Isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit in that same way understands his role and it's to always point 
to Jesus. In that context, he too is equal, but knows his role. So let's talk about that unique role that he has. I know that one of the things that we've talked about is how the Holy Spirit exists and works in real time. When you think about real time, it's important when we go back to the Trinity to understand that the Holy Spirit is now, right now, in real time, the primary manifestation of the presence of the Trinity among us. So God the Father and God the Son are on their throne. They're in heaven. When Jesus left, he gave us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. So when he is in real time, we have to go back and understand that apart from him, we can do nothing. So through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to discern the truth of God in real time. When we look at circumstances and we look at different situations in life, to be able to make decisions that are in agreement with the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit's given us the ability to have wisdom, to understand truth in the context of our life and how to apply God's truth. And so one of the things I like to say when we think about God working in real time is there's this five-second rule that I like to try to apply, that if a thought comes into your mind and you sit there and you have this question, well, is that from God or not? Is that from the Holy Spirit or not? Well, I think it's very easy to discern that. If what just popped into your head is consistent with the Word of God, if it's consistent with the will of God, and if it's consistent with the ways of God, then you can say, that's the Holy Spirit, and I need to obey whatever the Holy Spirit has brought into my mind. Now, sometimes that requires immediate obedience, and sometimes he's given you insight to obey something more of a progressive way along the way, but it's in real time. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is with us for a reason. The Holy Spirit is in us for a reason. And there are times that, yes, I have my priority time in the morning, but when I close my Bible and, you know, if I've been praying on my knees when I get up and I'm no longer praying on my knees and I leave whatever room I'm in having my priority time, I didn't leave God in the room. God is with me in real time through the Holy Spirit. I hope everything that you're hearing is just pointing back to how relevant the Holy Spirit is. It is the forgotten portion of the Trinity, and yet the Holy Spirit is actually the one who is with us now, that there was a day when Jesus walked the earth and people could touch him. But when he ascended to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He is not distant and in the background of our lives, but he is active. Listen to this remarkable statement from John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, when we think about that, Jesus here was with the disciples. But now because of the Holy Spirit, Jesus can be with his disciples throughout the entire world. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. The helper is the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, here's what he will do. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Wow, that is a pretty big role that he has in our lives. When you think about convicting the world concerning sin 
and righteousness and judgment. And then you take it, like you said, to the five second rule. It's about everyday life that we need to have a greater awareness of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can live out this thing called the Christian walk. As we're talking about what the Holy Spirit reveals, we've talked about him as the helper. Elaborate on that. He is there to help us do what? The scripture just told us to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. A lot of times we have a negative orientation to that word convict. Sometimes we misunderstand the word. We almost like replace it with condemn. He's not saying condemn. He's telling us that he's going to convict us. And that word means to bring light to or to expose. So the Holy Spirit brings light to the issue of sin. The Holy Spirit brings light to the issue of righteousness. And the Holy Spirit brings light to the issue of judgment. So when we think of it that way, the conviction of the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to have discernment. It's not condemning me. It's actually a warning. It's given me advance notice. It's bringing light to a situation so that I can see it in its proper context and make a wise decision. When I hear you say that, I think that's not how we usually see this. We usually do jump to that condemnation. What is it that will help us as we're going through this and we're learning these things? Obviously, the revelation of that and the truth helps us to have a more accurate understanding. But just from your own experience, what are the things that we misunderstand or we forget about the Holy Spirit when it comes to the fact of him convicting the world of sin? We have to understand that there is an enemy out there. And what the enemy does is he loves to tell lies about God and he loves to tell lies about us. He loves to play games with words and try to take a word like convict and make us think condemn. And one of the names of the enemy is the liar. So he is the best in the world at taking something that is true and then just moving it one or two degrees where it's no longer in its proper context. And the most dangerous lies are the ones that are closest to the truth. And so what we've got to do is we've got to be able to recognize a lie. Then we've got to renounce that lie. And then we have to replace that lie with truth. So when you understand the role of the Holy Spirit as a helper, what is he helping you do? He's helping you not be deceived by the liar. Mm. He's bringing light to the things that the liar lies about. We are the parent of two teenagers. And you think, how many times do you provide a warning and it's received by a teenager or a child as, as something they don't want? And they don't realize, no, really, I have your best interest at heart. We as parents are here to help guide our teenagers as they take that next step of independence and spread their wings and those kinds of things. Sometimes as a Christian, we do that same thing. We think that really God and his Holy Spirit and that conviction is a negative thing and it's a bad thing when really it's for our best protection. You'll hear me say this again and again and again. That goes back to we have to believe three things about God. Only God knows what's best. Only God wants what's best. Only God gives what's best. When we think about the role of the helper, it says that he will convict the world of sin. So this is the revelation of sinfulness. Now, that sounds kind of weird. 
again, it's showing me the places that I fall short of the glory of God. This conviction is helping me see my need for a Savior. So the Holy Spirit is the one who brings not only a keen awareness of our sinfulness, but also begins to let me see that it's offensive to God. And I think what's so important is the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Most of the time, we want to operate from the premise of worldly sorrow. And that's basically, I'm sorry I got caught. And if I didn't get caught, I wouldn't be sorry. But godly sorrow is, I'm sorry that my sin has offended you. And because it's offended you, it's created a separation between us. And I'm hurt that you're hurt, and I didn't want to hurt you, and I feel bad about hurting you, and I want to ask for forgiveness so that that hurt's no longer there, so that that sin can be removed, so that the relationship can be reconciled, so that we can be restored. See, Second Corinthians 7.10, it says, Godly sorrow brings repentance. That word repentance means it's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of direction. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, and this is magical right here, and leaves no regret. See, when you repent toward God, there's no regret. But in worldly sorrow, you're just regretting you got caught, and you're really going to go back and try to do it again and just not get caught next time. But it says, but worldly sorrow brings death. And so that's the significance of the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin. Wouldn't you think that more often than not, it is the Holy Spirit that is the one that stirs up that awareness that brings the godly sorrow. The worldly sorrow usually is because someone has brought your own sin to your attention. But it's the Holy Spirit a lot of times, not that someone can't present something to you and you have godly sorrow. That's certainly possible. We should be so grateful for the Holy Spirit because that usually is the source that stimulates that godly sorrow. Yeah, because it is. You're exactly right. The Holy Spirit is, again, throwing light exposing. And when the Holy Spirit gives light to this, he gives you the ability to see that you have offended and hurt the relationship that you have with God. Then the Holy Spirit softens your heart and instead of having a hard heart and gives you a desire to ask for forgiveness, to confess your sin, to repent of your sin. And then as a result of that, receive the forgiveness and to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. You mentioned the word unrighteousness. One of the other roles as we think about the Holy Spirit as a helper, one of the other things that he does is he convicts the world of righteousness. Now, that sounds like something we would hear a pastor like yourself say, but break it down. What does that really mean that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of righteousness? This is the revelation of Jesus as the Holy One. When it says he will convict the world of sin, that's the revelation of sinfulness. When you see the Holy Spirit throw light upon Jesus so that we can see him as the Holy One, the word holy means he's set apart, so he's radically different than anyone else. He is completely and totally unique, and he is righteous. There is nothing wrong in him. So in order for us to be righteous, we have to receive his righteousness 
through salvation because we were unrighteous. We had sinned. But because he knew no sin, he who knew no sin became sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God. So he gave us his righteousness in a positional way. Now we have the ability through the Holy Spirit that when he convicts us of things that are unrighteous, we have the ability again to confess, to repent, to restore that righteousness and to grow in righteousness, to go from a positional understanding of righteousness to a practical expression of righteousness. And that practical expression, just again, try to put things in terminology that is familiar to us. That idea of righteousness is obeying out of a heart of love. Absolutely. And so for us to know that the Holy Spirit illuminates what is right so that we can obey Jesus from a heart of love. And that's something we need. That heart of love is only possible from the conviction of sin. Mm. So once the conviction of sin has occurred, then we can receive the love of God. And then the Holy Spirit then gives us the ability to grow in that love to then have a desire. We are led by the desire of wanting to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're led by the desire of wanting to love others as he's loved us. And in that way, we see righteousness occur because we are not obeying God to earn our love. We are obeying God from a heart of love. The last element of the Holy Spirit, when we look at him as the helper that we're going to look at today, relates to the sanctification process. Scripture says that he will convict the world of judgment. Apply that to what we're talking about today. What does that look like? So the Holy Spirit here reveals the destiny of the enemy, the ruler of this world, Satan. That's something that sometimes we're uncomfortable talking about, but we shouldn't be uncomfortable talking about it. There is more evidence for Satan in this world than anything, right? There is evil in this world. There is sinfulness and selfishness in this world, and that originates because when we are separated from God, what Satan does is he appeals to our sinful nature to get us to focus on ourselves. And ultimately what selfishness does, what sinfulness does is it causes us to self-destruct. Sinfulness is like suicide to the soul. That's a vivid way to look at that. So here we're talking just so that everybody gets a mental picture. This name, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. He called him the helper. And the helper brings these three types of convictions that we've just talked about. He's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. And he's going to convict the world of judgment. But Jesus also gave another name to the Holy Spirit, and that is the spirit of truth. Tell us a little bit about the Holy Spirit when we think about him in the context of the spirit of truth. Well, the scripture says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth of God has been incarnated in the person of Jesus Christ. Again, the Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus, and as he's pointing to Jesus, he's giving us the ability to understand, to throw light upon, to expose the truth of God and to see it in contrast to what is false. And so as we look at this, it says he will guide us into all truth. Now, 
What's so important is if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16, we'll see and understand that we cannot do this by ourselves. Listen to this. The natural person, the person who does not yet know God, who is not indwelled by the Holy Spirit, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. We see that everywhere today, right? People who do not know God think the things of God are folly, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But in contrast to the natural person, the spiritual person judges all things. See, there's discernment again but is himself to be judged by no one. But who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But watch this. But we have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so as we renew our mind with the word of God, then we can begin to have pure desires instead of impure desires. We can begin to make pure decisions instead of impure decisions. And when we have the desires and the decisions, then we can discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. So powerful. If you have been in your Bible and come across that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, to think that God would inspire them to write we have the mind of Christ. Only the Holy Spirit could do that to us and in us and for us. And so the Holy Spirit, he reveals truth. We talk about he's guiding us into all truth. But another way that he will reveal truth to us is he speaks truth to us. It says he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. That's a pretty loaded statement. I referred to this earlier, whether it would be in this podcast or a previous one, to kind of a five-second rule. That there are times that the Spirit of God speaks to you in real time and that he brings a thought into your mind and immediately there is a context that you can apply that thought. We just need to understand that if something is good as opposed to bad, it's probably from God. If something is from a source of love instead of the opposite of love, something negative or hate in some way or not wishing the best for someone, it's probably of God. We need to make this very simple. He speaks and when he speaks, it's not mysterious and it's not difficult to understand. It's clear. It's simply telling you probably, hey, you need to bless that person. You need to serve that person. You need to encourage that person. You need to love that person. That in the scripture, there are, I think it's 58 times the phrase one another is used. And so many times the Holy Spirit guides us with things like this. Hey, encourage one another. Would you help one another? Would you support one another? Would you honor one another? So as we look at that, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in real time, in real circumstances to help real people with God's love. The last thing that we want to mention today, another role that he has is that he glorifies Jesus. So elaborate, somebody needs to understand that maybe they haven't seen before how the Holy Spirit glorifies the Father. Well, it goes back to what we said at the very beginning. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity always points to Jesus. So anytime I think about a corporate worship experience where we're singing together and I see and hear the people of God 
singing these great praises to God, it tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people and that there's this sense that you see unity in the body and everything about the Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus. It is pointing to him as the great I am. It is pointing to him as the line of the tribe of Judah, as the one who is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. You never see the Holy Spirit positioning himself for his own glory. So it's just the most selfless, beautiful expression of the Trinity working together for the ultimate glory of God and for the people of God to be unified in that because the Holy Spirit is in them bringing that unity to Jesus. We talk about the humility of Jesus, but to also see the humility of the Holy Spirit And to know that that is what we are called to. We are called to be like Christ. And the Holy Spirit living within us gives us the ability to do that. One of the things we say all of the time at High Point is that love God plus love people equals love works. And so as we talk about the Holy Spirit in all of these sessions together, we never want to lose sight of that. That is why the Holy Spirit is living among us so that we can love God and we can love people and we can prove that love works. We've come to the end of our time today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want more information, please check out Chris's blog, chrisconley.net, or my blog, karenconley.com, or highpointmemphis.com. We'd love to have you come and visit. In the meantime, do not forget that love God plus love people always equals love works. 